It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. This is Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. We're continuing our coverage uh, with all of the uh, happenings around the country and around the world. We've uh, talked about uh, Ambassador John Huntsman stepping down uh, from his ambassadorship there in October. We'll uh, see what that means in terms of the Utah political landscape, what that might mean for the governor's race in 2020. Uh, We had uh, Jesse Hyde in to talk about uh, some of the experiences he had with uh, Ambassador Huntsman over in Russia, doing an in-depth story there a few months ago. And as we've been continuing our coverage of the uh, tragedies in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio, uh, we've really been trying to get all of the different perspectives. We talked a little bit about grieving earlier in the show today. We've talked about video games and the the impact there. We've talked about the political aspect to it. And uh, this morning when I I came into the office, we were uh, having our meeting as we do in the mornings. Uh, trying to figure out what the news of the day is and where the opportunities are to talk about something that might be interesting or helpful. And uh, we we went to the fact that there really hasn't been a lot of conversations going on about young people and these tragedies. And what are the what are the millennials take on all of this? So we went to our resident uh, millennial expert, uh, Savannah Hopkinson, who's part of the team up at the Deseret News. Uh, and uh, Savannah, one, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources. Thanks for having me. Uh, Savannah is an extraordinary writer, uh, one of our great team members. Uh, you tag-teamed with uh, a couple of your colleagues up there, Christian Sagers and uh, our intern, uh, Stefan Garcia, uh, and wrote a piece today that uh, what three millennials have to say about El Paso, Dayton, and growing up with tragedy. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what the three of you came up with in terms of what are some important things to remember. Yeah, this was a really interesting, unique piece for the three of us to work on, because even though we fall into the same age group, we really come from such diverse backgrounds. You know, um, I'm a female and I like to speak about women. Christian had just had a a baby and Stephen has a baby on the way and he's also of uh, Latin America descent. And so even though we had this age in common, um, we have different perspectives on things and But we also had in common that we grew up as what's termed as the Columbine generation. You know, everything changed after Columbine. And and we remember growing up and the idea of mass shootings being a real fear that we had to worry about. Um, So we were able to come together on this and talk about what it was like to grow up with that and feel so powerless for a long time. But all of a sudden, we're in a position where we do have more power. We're in the workplace, and we're having families, and we can vote and actually make some changes. Yeah, it, it's so interesting uh, for for us old people. <laughs> <laughs> I won't give you any stories of walking to school uphill both ways in the snow. Uh, but it is interesting. It, it's hard for some of us to wrap our head around the fact that you grew up, again, Columbine generation, 
that you didn't you never knew a time where mass shooting was not a at least a possibility. Uh, how do you think that influences your perspective? You mentioned that now you're you're voting. You're all in your twenties. Uh, having children, starting to raise families, having careers. Uh, what do you think that impact is uh, on your generation? I think it has a huge impact. Um, as I mentioned, we, we talk about how our different backgrounds made us unique, but that we had that same fear. And living in fear is really exhausting. Mm. And I think at this point, this generation, our generation is tired, is tired of waking up to that news. And it's almost become, um, as Stephen mentions in the piece, he talks about how his first reaction is again. You know, like yeah. this is happening again, and and we're so the whole nation is so hurt and sad, but also followed by frustration. So I think it has a huge impact on who we vote for, mm-hmm. um, but an even bigger impact on our personal lives and our families. I mean, these decisions that we're making to to start families, and more importantly, how will we raise them? Um, because we're very frustrated without seeing any progress from from Congress or the government, and at this point, we need to start making changes in ourselves and in yeah. our families and the way we raise them. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, too. If you're just joining us, we have uh, Savannah Hopkinson uh, from the Deseret News joining us. And we're talking about how millennials are processing these these mass shootings, these tragic uh, events that are taking place in our country. They've grown up with it uh, and and all the challenges that go with that. I thought it was fascinating that that some of the conversation today, uh, as you alluded to, was about, you know, do we have children? And then if we have children... What do we do? Christian Sagers just had a baby a few months ago, he and his wife, Kimberly, and uh, cute as can be. And you mentioned the the intern, Stephen, who uh, is of Latin American descent. And so he's he's worried about the fact that his child will always, you know, be perceived as being from somewhere else. Uh, your ethnic background. How did all of that weave into your your conversation? It was a really interesting process to go through and see the different stages that we're at. Uh, and what we're thinking about mm-hmm. each. Uh, Stephen also has a baby on the way, and that combined with his heritage, and especially what happened in Texas over the yeah. weekend, um, and the things that were said, uh, really had a huge impact on him. And it was mm-hmm. interesting to look at that perspective. And then to look at Christian, who is a new baby, and he talks about in the piece like really beautifully how, how seeing going home and seeing his face gives him hope for the future. Um, and then I don't have children, but um, being a woman, I talk about the possibility of my friends all the time and and the pressure of being a mother um, and what it would be like to raise kids in this environment. And ultimately, we don't want to have to raise kids that have to deal with that same pressure and those yeah. fears. Yeah. And I talked about, too, how uh, interestingly, this year with the anniversary of Columbine, um, there were a lot of pieces about those students, and right. now they have children of their own, and how the experiences they went through 20 years ago still impact them today and their whole families. And if we just continue without having any change, then there will be more families and more parents and children affected, and yeah. we don't want that pattern. Yeah. Well, you you three are three of the smartest millennials I know. Uh, so as you had your conversation, and again, it's a beautiful piece up on the uh, the deseretnews.com in the opinion section right now, uh, talking about these perspectives from these three millennials. Uh, as as the three of you process that uh, together today, uh, what would you say to your peers, to your fellow millennials? What should they be thinking about as we go through yet another tragedy, and, and then how do we actually pivot it forward? 
Yeah, my message to fellow millennials would be to not lose momentum or motivation. Mm-hmm. We're in such a unique place right now where we grew up with these tragedies. But unlike Generation Z, we have more power. We can vote. We're in uh, positions in the workplace and in our communities where we can make changes. So don't lose momentum. Don't lose sight of the future. You know, we need action, not just reactions. Mm-hmm. And we can be the action um, by the choices we make and the way that we approach topics like mental health and violence in media and and these other conversations that are swirling around. Um, We can be that action. Yeah, fantastic. Great insight as always. Great writing uh, and great thinking, which is always the start to great writing. Uh, Savannah Hopkinson, thanks so much for joining us on Inside Sources today. Thank you. Great, great perspective. All right, uh, everyone should watch out for this generation. They've experienced some things. They, as Savannah rightly pointed out, they now have some power. They have ability to vote. They are in the workplace Uh, They are going to be a force to be reckoned with starting in 2020, I think. All right, we're going to step aside one last time. Final break. Stay with us. We'll come back with some final thoughts as we wrap up a Tuesday on Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment. <laughs> Final segment of Inside Sources today. I think I'm still Boyd Matheson, uh, but I'm starting to wonder because the great Jeff Kaplan is back in the house. Welcome back from your trip. It's good to be back at the station. You it look really t- is. tanned and rested. I don't know about tanned, but rested most rested definitely. For sure. All right. We're going to come back to Jeff in just a second. Get a little, uh, we're going to do it the uh, Jeff Kaplan Chronicles of uh, his journey back uh, to the Jersey Shores. <laughs> so we'll go back to that in just a minute. I uh, just wanted to wrap up a, a couple of things as we come full circle on a Tuesday. I uh, hope you're all having a, a great day out there. Uh, we've been talking this hour a little bit about this component of, of grieving. And what an important part of the healing process uh, we get to. And, and so often, I think, in today's society, we, we short-circuit that process. Uh, and there is a, an element to, to grieving where at first we, you know, we just have the loss and the suffering. We listen to former Vice President Joe Biden just talk about he was, he was mad. He was angry with everybody and everything. Uh, and he had to work through that and process that. There's that sense of, of disconnect, uh, the uh, the absence of presence of a loved one uh, that is really hard. And these are all really challenging parts of the process, but we have to go through that. And that's that's the real test. Uh, earlier in the show today, we talked to Robin Byro and, you know, Robin's an extraordinary guy. He's, a, you know, was part of the Obama campaign team. He's a regional campaign manager a uh, former army ranger uh and just has a, a very unique story and and he's gone through that kind of loss and suffering and and he pointed out rightly that you know we need to make sure we're we're watching out for each other 
And right now, I know the eyes of the nation are all turned to Texas and to Ohio. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be watching out for people here at home, in our own neighborhood, in our own workplace. Again, events like this can serve as a trigger mechanism. They, they can impact all of us in ways we don't even expect. Uh, we talked about with Jill Adley, who's just joined the Deseret News from after 18 years of being in a hard-charging newsroom at CNN, producer for Wolf Blitzer. Uh, we're excited to have her. But she talked about the emotion and, and how do you keep that under control when you're dealing with really hard news like this. And again, sometimes we think of the grieving, the grieving's happening at the site. Uh, but it's not. Sometimes it's a global thing. Uh, we talked with Tad Walsh about the uh, about what happened in New Zealand and him going down to the mosque. Uh, we we met with the imams uh, when I was there in New Zealand, and it, it had been about two months from the the massacres that, that took place, the awful shootings there in New Zealand. And again, sometimes we focus that the grieving is happening just at the point where it happened or the people who were directly affected. But a, a, a shooting in Texas can impact somebody who lives in Taylorsville, Utah. Something that goes on in, in Ohio can really upset or undermine the confidence uh, of someone living in Orem because we're, we're all interconnected that way and, and we're, all dealing, we're all dealing with our own stuff. And so I would... I would just recommend to everyone as the nation heals and mourns over the next few days and the next few weeks uh, that we do keep an extra close eye on the people around us. If you find people withdrawing a little bit or disconnecting a lot, isolating themselves, uh, those are all things that are just really important uh, for everyone to be aware of. Uh, because otherwise we we become the lonely crowd and we may we may think that the problems are elsewhere elsewhere but they might be right in our own living room they might be in our own neighborhood in our own workplace uh, and so i i would just challenge everyone to be just a little more aware of the people around you as the nation mourns and please 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 as we always say on this show <laughs> don't be part of the problem uh, there are many days ahead of us where we can talk about all of the political aspects to all of these things. There are going to be days where we can argue and debate policy. There are going to be times where we can talk about uh, who's responsible for what rhetoric, and we will do that. And, and we need to make sure that we are part of the healing process, that we create space for people to have those emotions and then to move forward with those emotions uh, so that everybody knows they're not alone in this journey. And if anyone is out there that is struggling today or is having a, a difficult day or you feel you're in that big black hole, that you're down in a dark space, reach out. There are resources all around, and don't try to do this alone. Don't try to do it alone. Uh, there's people around you that care uh, that have compassion, that want to help, and they're there. And so do not do this alone, and do not allow one tragedy to turn into two uh, because there's a multiplier effect, and we need you. We need you in the game. Uh, we need all of us in the game because that's part of what makes Utah absolutely extraordinary. 
Uh, and so, as always, as we talk about, uh, as you're going through these days and as we see what happens in these vigils and in these funerals and memorials that are going to take place, uh, look for the good and see something that inspires, say something that uplifts somebody around you. And every day, especially these days, uh, do something that makes a difference and find that that bright spot. Uh, and I'm really glad for one of those bright spots is back in the booth. Jeff Kaplan has returned to Me? us. Yeah. Thanks well, for coming back. <laughs> it's my job. There was, there was a bet. Kira was saying, I, I don't know if he's coming back. We went to New York and uh, the Jersey Shore for yeah. a week. And I have to tell you, if you have the opportunity to do this, oh, I'm not going to say go to New York. Take a sixth day of vacation. That extra Monday at the end leaves you sitting around the house saying, I've got to do something. I've got to get back to, to, go work. to work. I burst in the doors here today. You did. In fact, uh, our producer, Kylie, noted Jeff walked in at 2.10 into the studio. Yeah, I was in here a little bit early. Uh, well, I I know on your trip, just from uh, what I was able to see on social media, you had your grand, you were with your granddaughter. Yeah, the stated purpose of the trip was to show the nine-year-old granddaughter New York City for the yeah. first time. Yeah, uh, She's never seen, never been, and she wanted to have a street hot dog. She wanted to see Times Square, go to the M&M store, see Central Park where Home Alone was filmed yeah. and like that. And so it was miserable. <laughs> it was just miserable. That East Coast humidity was just withering. So hot. Well, I know you had some good moments as well. So, so when we think of the see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, do something that makes a difference, uh, you were sharing with me earlier your granddaughter's favorite part of the trip. Are we talking about the Yiddish? Uh, well, oh, I, I want Yiddish and crab. Yeah, crabbing. Yiddish and crab. Give us those two. My mom lives on the water, and uh, even though we went to New York City and saw all the things and like that that you dream about, the thing she enjoyed most was sitting at the edge of the water, dropping a string with a piece of chicken tied to it, and pulling up a crab. But not that she wanted to eat the crab. She fed the crab a chicken dinner and, <laughs> and then, then put it back in the water. And she did that about 20 times. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And a little bit of Yiddish uh, sprinkled in there. Yeah, somehow she got transfixed, this, this little Utah girl, with Yiddish. And she was using all Yiddish expressions. And finally, she ordered an egg cream without prompting at a restaurant in New York. And if you don't know, an egg cream is about the most Brooklyn thing there is that exists in this world. <laughs> And probably, you know, it, it's it's a soft drink from what, the 1930s? 30s, yeah. And there she is. I want to try an egg cream. And she loved it. <laughs> Incidentally. What's the proper way to describe an egg cream in Yiddish? It's simple. Oh, in Yiddish? <laughs> I have no idea. In English, it's this. It's a chocolate soda. End of story with a little bit of froth on top. There is no egg in an egg cream. <laughs> there you go. That's the That may be the most important piece of news we get uh, all day today. All right. Very good. Well, as we uh, come down the home stretch here today, uh, we appreciate you being with us here on KSL News Radio on Inside Sources. Uh, and as always, uh, we're looking for what is going to happen next. We'll continue to follow the developments, the morning that's taking place in Dayton, Ohio, uh, and in El Paso, Texas. So stay with us here on KSL News Radio. We're about to hand it off to Jeff Kaplan and Maria Chaleos, who will safely get you home safe and smart. And as always, I am Boyd Matheson. I'm the opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us. As always, as you go out in the world today, see something that inspires. Say something that uplifts, and above all, do something that makes a difference.